And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another issue of The Dots. And back with the Brain Trust himself, Mr. Chase Taylor. Uh, <clears throat> another is uh, another calm day. Uh, you just had the markets hanging out around kind of even. NASDAQ up 30 to 50 bips. And then you get the absolutely necessary end of day rally. Uh, pushes NASDAQ up to 0.9 on the day. S&P finished, what, 0.58 up on the day. Uh, yeah, showing 0.52. Yeah, 0.52. Uh, rates were down. Uh, let, and let's that's probably it, right, is is I think that probably the most important thing to discuss from today would be the, the inflation data. Yeah, which came in right at expectations. And I, my assumption is the reason we got a bit of a, a, a rally in both bond, stocks and bonds was just the fact that it wasn't higher than expected, so everyone just took you know took it as a win. Yeah, yeah. Lower rates, party, right? Go buy some stocks. But at the end of the day, like it's it's important to note. I mean, for core PCE, yes, year over year is now down to two point eight five, but three month annualized is now two point six three, and six month annualized is two point four nine. So we're at the highest level for three month annualized since June. Six months highest since September. Um, so, you know, Supercore is over 4%. Supercore PCE, that was 2.18% last month. So it may be just one month, but for now, that is a what is, decent acceleration. What, what is the difference between Core and Supercore? Uh, Supercore also strips out housing. So where is- which is which is the reason they, they tried to make a big deal out of it and, and said it was like the one that really mattered, whatever it was a year ago lately they've stopped paying attention to it or talking about it <laughs> yeah we did stop because it's not narrative. going down yeah it's not going down so we're just gonna ignore it uh yeah because housing i mean housing prices have pulled back from the highs but they've really been, it's kind of just been chilling for a while right there's no yeah ho- housing is is just kind of a it's pretty flat rents rents and home prices both there's pretty flat lately now it, within the inflation numbers they're still relatively high um but that's because we measure it stupidly. Oh man! Do you, what, where where are we? Where, where, where is your thinking right now? Do you, do you? I I get the sense that they're. I get the sense that they're grabbing at anything they can to justify a rate a rate cut. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because we went from hey the Fed says three well it didn't say anything but they their projections show three cuts in twenty twenty four so the market takes that and said cool let's do seven now we're all the way back to three so now we're kind of at this equilibrium where the market and the Fed agree um, those those periods don't tend to last long but what I would say is getting getting the number of cuts under three now like that that's a big that's a tall task like. The market's going to want to stick at three because that's what the Fed's kind of letting you know. Um, so it's going to take really hot data to push that, you know, below that three number. Whereas, you know, the other way, getting it back to like, say, four or five, probably, you know, uh, you, you get unemployment's uh, rate go up, you know, two tenths of percent or something like the market's going to be happy to add add back another couple cuts. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't mean we won't go below three. It just means that you'll have to have like a notable shift in the tone from the Fed, where they like are like, look, maybe we can't even cut. I don't know. 
I, yeah, I, I just, you know, when I hear stuff like them, not fo- now all of a sudden forgetting about Supercore, you know, I, 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 why? I, it just feels to me like they're trying to, they're trying to justify a cut of some kind. And I just, I, I think, I mean, maybe we're wrong. I, I, I just don't, I don't see how I don't, I mean, aren't you still under the impression that if they cut into this environment, even if it's a light cut every, it, I mean, things just, I just feel like everything take off. As everything stands now. Yes. But you know, Hey, if, if, like I say, if unemployment goes above four, then, then all bets are off. Like you probably are headed for a pretty ugly slowdown and you probably should be cutting. Um, I think the, the, the most awkward thing would be if, if unemployment is say 4.2 later this year, but the market's still really high and, and, you know, people are still spending money like that. That's where it's like a really tough needle to thread. And you might get the, the 1998 cutting into, strength move because going back to the 98 move like unemployment had started to tick up a little bit it was enough to be like well hey this this is a little sketchy let's go ahead and cut uh but as soon as they cut it went right back down so i that how they deal with that with higher unemployment if everything else stays strong will be that that will be you know what kind of decides all this and as of now everything is still strong and unemployment's low but it's not hard to imagine it going to like four four point two something like that this year question would be what is housing doing what is you know what are markets doing what are retail sales doing yeah no it's a man i mean maybe you know maybe they see more i i mean do you think do you think you you, we're talking right now about a scenario of a slowdown a you know a a significant slow or, or you know at least mentioning the possibility of it right um i know that's not your base case or what you're calling here um, it ha- but can that can that even happen? I mean, how much of a slowdown can you get when you're spending this much money? Well, the the keystone is always unemployment. So, and if you, much- so more importantly, and if you get that, like, what what does that say about the underlying economy? If you can if you can go through a serious slowdown and serious economic weakness, and you're spending this much money. I mean, it's just, it just tells me this reality of policy. I, I, I will say like, yes, I, I do think you can have the labor market weaken substantially, even with a 7% of GDP deficit. Um, it's just a lot harder to, 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 to force that. Um, and right, right now, I mean, you're seeing, I mean, earnings are crushing expectations. So you, you view just corporate profits in general, like they're strong enough to where they don't, it doesn't look like they need to fire a bunch of people, but employment's one of those very non-linear things. Like if a few people that have really ugly financing needs can't roll their debt and start letting people go, it can become a self-fulfilling thing. So no, and it can unravel quickly too. Right. Right. So everything is strong. Everything looks like it will stay strong, but I I view unemployment as the keystone that can always flip a cycle into a a big slowdown recession, however you want to look at it. If if you saw that, where would that where would that come from, right? Because we, again, when we look at the when we look at the government spending, one of the things that you and I were really focused on last year was construction jobs. I know you're still watching them like a hawk, but when you look at all the spending and where it's happening, and the you know all the stuff that we've talked about, it's I, again, I'm not an expert on this topic, but it's hard for me to really see significant softness. And and and, and I mean, I guess maybe if. I mean, do you think? It, I mean, could home activity slow far enough to really dent that number? Or is the majority of that construction, those construction jobs, being driven by 
new warehouses, new chip factories. I mean, where, you know, where, <clears throat> what's, what's the bigger component? Yeah. The bigger is, is housing. Um, okay. and, and like it, it is, it is definitely still the piece that I, I'm watching most closely now. Like we've really slowed down on things like warehouses. Um, so that, that's already a bit of a headwind. Um, but like, Hey, we talked about yesterday, like a lot of this money hasn't even been put to work yet from the federal, um, spending stuff. So like the question really is if people lose their construction jobs on building an apartment or a house, can they get another one through, um, building a chip factory or, or an EV factory, whatever the case is. Um, and as of, as of now, like the, obviously the answer to date has been yes. Like no, no, there's no construction people. Like just can't find a job really, but that, you look at you know housing permits they're they're not great they're falling so if that continues and you kind of reach a plateau on on non-housing construction then you can start rolling over on on those jobs and and if that happens that can absolutely be um self-reinforcing in that it, in that it starts taking demand for other forms of labor down um so it, it's still you know top of mind the Every every time I open up the the jobs report, the first thing I do is go look at all the construction breakdown because to me that's that's the key. Um, obviously, people you know traveled less and splurged on leisure less and stuff. You could see some services weakness, um, but typically that's just not what leads the cycle. Doesn't mean it can't this time or from now on. But construction is still to me at least the focus as far as employment and what would likely tip it over. What a weird environment, man. I, it just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder. Uh, um, it really doesn't. It, 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 I mean, we, we've talked about the comps to 98, 99, and that's really talking about one scenario. Outside of that, is there any – I mean, it's really hard to comp this environment to anything. I really don't think there is a good comp, is there? Yeah, I mean, to start with, I don't, I don't even like doing comps. I just, I, they're just – to me, they're very uh, – usually misleading and lazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just think that the '98 one, like, it, it holds some special characteristics. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's the only one like I'm, I'm actively thinking about. I know people are always grasping for, for analogs, but to, to me, like, '98 makes sense for no, just to, to make it real simple. If you cut into strength, uh, it's just you're gonna have the market go higher, and market going higher makes the economy go higher. Um, and along those lines, I'm gonna dig this up here. But uh, Jim Chanos had a, a a great a great little miniature thread today that really stood out to me, um, and this is the the kind of money quote from it. He said the in late 1994, the U.S. stock market had a five trillion dollar capitalization relative to a seven point six trillion dollar GDP. So the stock market was sixty six percent of GDP now. It's a fifty-three trillion dollar capitalization, and GDP is twenty-seven point four trillion. So now, so the market went from sixty-six percent of the economy to one hundred and ninety-three percent of the economy. Good. So it almost, it, so it almost tripled, and this is since ninety-four, because um, a lot of people are making the ninety-five analogs, which is what got him on this hobby horse. Um, so now that the market is basically, you know, two times the size of the economy. Uh, its movements matter that much more. You know, if, if we talk, we've talked about like, Hey, like it's not crazy to think in a, in a cut into strength scenario, you can have the market up 50, 70% in a year. Right. Um, so if you have that now, now you recognize what that means as a comparison to the economy. 
and that's wealth that goes into and it's not like all that just goes to jeff bezos like that that goes in everyone's 401k and ira and and their robin hood accounts like it, it matters it, and it makes people feel rich and spend a bunch of money in, in more than it did back in the 90s when the fed was writing papers about how much it mattered if the stock market went up because it influenced in, uh, people's behavior so clearly it's doubled its influence in the fed you know in my mind not at all acting like that and i think they're learning the hard way like oh inflation whew, we got it like let's let's claim victory here and pivot next thing you know all the all, all inflation picks up all the data is stronger than they expected for like the millionth quarter in a row um and they're kind of scratching their head well i mean it's i think jim chanos has made it clear to us what's going on in that one tweet yeah yeah what we what we and what got him on this what what would you say that, that spun him out on this yeah so he said or he started he said i saw another quote strategist on financial tv this morning trying to compare today's market environment to 1995 you've got to be chat you, you've got to be hold on, hold on. claiming chat gpt's introduction was akin to the 94 unveil of netscape similar to the late 94 the nasdaq has doubled over four years since its lows in 90 and, and 2020 so that was what got him going here so this guy's trying to argue the fund's just getting started uh we, we i mean yeah but go look at valuations and market conditions i mean they're they're completely non-comparable Yeah, so at end at the end of '94, the S and P was trading at twelve times uh, the next year next year's earnings, and now it's twenty two times next year's earnings. Yeah, so again, almost almost double. Yeah, it's just like it, dead ringer. What a joke! The the, the longer this mar- the longer this longer this bull has run, the the analysis has gotten increasingly more stupid and vapid. Like the yeah. only argument is just post something that shows how stocks can go higher. The other one that gave me kind of a chill down my spine. Do you see the cover on the Economist? Yeah, yeah, I knew that's where you're going with that. Yeah, I did. Uh, and Brent, Brent Donnelly even posted that uh, magazine cover capital is going short SPY. What he did? What? So he has this thing like where he in like tracks Economist magazine covers, the ones that are like unmistakably like making a a, a call, then he'll fade it and go the other way with what he refers to as magazine cover capital. Um, and, and he posted the picture of it today and said, yep, going short, uh, SPY, which, and a lot of times people will be like, Oh, like, what are you, what are you doing with this one, Brent? And he'll be like, no, 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 that's not like, that covers a little ambiguous or it's not really saying what you think. Like when it's one like today, like, it's like, yep, we're, we'll, I'll fade that. And for you and guys, he's, 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 he did the math on the track record. It's really good. Oh, I bet. I mean, it's talk about a sentiment indicator when the economist is all excited about stocks. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, the cover is a bull floating because it has a bunch of balloons tied around its stomach. And the and the title is something like, how much higher can stocks go, right? How high can markets go? Yeah, how high can markets go? Uh, man, I, I mean, I think they can go a lot higher, not for good reason. Right. Uh, it, it- it really shows how bad like, we need a we needed a ten percent pullback to kind of clear some of this stuff out. Take a it would take a lot of danger out of the market if we could just have a normal ten percent correction to get some people to calm down. You know that being said, though, when you look at what's happening on a federal government spending side, and the I mean, part of you, uh, part of me wonders if they, you know, if you have no fiscal constraints, which we clearly don't. I mean, they can say whatever they want. We clearly they. 
Should we? Yeah, of course, right? You know, but we clearly don't. And if you have no fiscal constraints, you know, maybe we never see, you know, I mean, at some point it's got to tip over, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I'm lost. <laughs> I wish I had more to add yeah. to that. And, and speaking of kind of tipping over, like something that I know Julian Brigden has been writing about um, and, and is he had a presentation at his conference that I went to on this. Um, there's a guy that had been, he's been like kind of tracking uh, the the kind of savings glut from overseas, which we all think about as like Asia had just so much savings. It was so easy for them to just be like, well, what are we, we going to do with this? Like, well, let's give, let's buy some treasuries with some of it. Right. Yeah. It just made sense. And, and the argument um, is, well, maybe that's kind of shifting. It's like not really a thing anymore that the savings glut from overseas is kind of eroding. It's not, it's drawing down, not, not to mention all the reasons you just wouldn't want to own treasuries anymore that, you know, weren't the case five, 10 years ago. So the demand for all of this debt that they're creating, you could argue um, is as we explode the size of the deficit at that exact same time, we're starting to erode the investor base that would, that would finance it. Yeah. Um, so it could get real interesting. That like th- those two things we just said, higher deficits and less uh capital out there to to finance them at at low rates. That that could, it could be as simple as that for the next 20 years of investing that that might be the case. Yeah. Man. Wild times out there, brother. Well, hey, uh I I don't really have a whole lot. Anything else you saw today that you wanted to hit on or anything we should be looking out before the end of the week? Uh so tomorrow, tomorrow we'll have some some data that's important. In, in fact, construction spending is going to be uh, one of the, one of those data points. Which, obviously, in the in the light of what we just talked about with construction employment, that that's going to be um, an important thing to to keep an eye on. But other than that, no, I think I think we covered a lot of ground today. I did. all right. Well, I like it. Um, all right, you guys. Well, that's a quick one for us. Under twenty minutes. Anyway, we will be back tomorrow as always. Well, we got the full show tomorrow. And uh, so so you get a full hour. Anyway, have a great night. As always, download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com and subscribe to the podcast if you would. Helps us get on more guests. You guys know the drill. We'll see you tomorrow. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.